Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host and I have the amazing Connie Bramer on the show today and she has a story that you don't want to miss. So stay with us. And we are back. Let me bring Connie on. Connie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Ken. So great to see you. I'm excited that you're here. So so we were talking just a little bit before the show started, but um, you know, I I um I started this show about two and a half years ago, and it was to I mean, literally to help people get unstuck, to have a breakthrough in life and um, cause I think we've, we've all been there. Um, and you know, so that's what it's about. It's your journey, your story, and, and hopefully you can help some people today by telling your story. So, um, why don't we start with where you were born and raised? I was born and raised in Northville, New York on the Sacandaga Lake, the great Sacandaga Lake, and spent a lot of my life on a boat, skiing, water skiing, snowmobiling. It was very country-ish. So it was not mm. a big city. It was not a big city life, very rural. And it's interesting because I graduated with 54 kids in my class, which wow, people are like, what? And my kids go to a huge school. Well, now they're graduated from their high school, but their classes had 800 and some odd kids in each of their classes. So very different than the life that I've had. Wow. Yeah. So, so did you end up going to, did you end up going to college or? I did. I actually mm -hmm. wanted to go to medical school and oh. I had too much fun you know, with my biology degree, I was having too much, way too much fun to uh, actually finish it. So I changed yeah. my major and I went to Plattsburgh State University in upstate New York. And okay. it's actually known back in the day as a party school. And of course I was partaking in that. Um, I ended up with a psychology degree and I wanted to go back to school to go to medical school. So I went back, took all my prerequisite courses and my father and my, my mother and father owned a car dealership. So they asked me to come work for them. And I never in a million years thought I would do that ever. So my father had always had what you would think of as the typical car salesperson. Yeah. You know, like an older gent. And he had had a younger guy come in and it was a friend of the family, his son, and he did really well. So yeah. my dad said, hey, Connie, you know, you could sit right here, learn the business. Never in a million years thought of doing it. So I started working for him while I was going back to school and taking all my prereqs for medical school that I wanted to do. My mom was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was in college wow. and had a very difficult battle. She battled with it for seven and a half years and she ended up passing away at 53. So oh I just, yeah, it was very, very young. Um, I was 26. My brother was 23 and she was, you know, moms are always the glue that hold the family together, mm, you know? Yeah. So she was the third generation in my family maternally to have breast cancer. And I became the fourth 20 years later. 
after Jeez. her diagnosis. Yeah. So my mom, when she was, when I was able to work with my mom, which a lot of people never have that time with their mother, yeah. you know, and my dad was pretty excited because he didn't have a huge you know, phone bill. Cause back in the day before <laughs> the deregulation of telecom, we had huge phone bills, but yes. I worked with my parents side by side for three years. My mom passed away. And then I said, you know what, I'm going to stick with it. So I helped my dad out. I ran his dealership, um, you know, part service. Those are the only two places that I did not work and get my hands dirty. Cause I told my father, I'm like, I'm not getting my hands dirty. <laughs> so I'll do yeah. sales and um, finance. So that was kind of my wheelhouse. And it's funny because when you get, when you're forced to pick a fork in the road, you know, you pick one and you always wonder about the other, but I'm glad I chose that road because I was able to spend time with my family that yeah. most people never can say that they work side by side with their parents and see them right. every day. It's, it's time no one can ever take away from me. So I've been in the car business now for 28 years. Selling. You, no. you well, I ran my parents' business. I started selling cars, doing finance, became a sales manager, then, gen, then the general manager. When my mother was very ill, my parents traveled a lot. So okay. I was at the helm of our dealership. It was a Chevy Olds Cadillac dealership. Wow. And, and my dad was in business for 42 years. So I got a taste of doing that. And I was, it, it taught me a lot. You know, my mother taught me a lot about relationships yeah. and how relationships are really what matter in business. And then my dad taught me about business sense. So really everything I know in business, I truly owe to my father. But my mom really taught me how to know people, to read people, to care about people. And that's really what has been like my whole life is just really caring about people. So um, my mom had a saying that she instilled in my brother and myself, which was always leave people better for having known you. And I know we're going to get to it, but I have a foundation yeah. that helps cancer patients. And that's really been our mission is to yeah. help people. So I stayed in the car business and I worked in all different facets. Um, now I am like a finance management trainer. So I'm a private contractor in the auto industry and I work for a company out of New Jersey. I'm in upstate New York. Yeah. I travel all over upstate New York and actually downstate also working with dealerships, training finance managers and having them sell products in the finance office, which is how I make my living. So, so you're, I you're an F&I trainer. I'm an F&I trainer. I know so many people in F&I yeah. training. Like I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people in the car business a lot. So that's awesome. So um Wow. Where do I start with all that? That was like a real, so you've been in the car, but when did you say you went in in your early twenties? Yes, I am. Okay. 51 as of I was last not week. Trying to extract and every, everyone's like, what? You're not 51. You're not I'll, take, 51. I'll take that all day long. But um, <laughs> yeah, I started when I was 22, 23. And oh. um, you know, I really never thought I would work for my parents. Like it never was on the table ever. And and the car business. And the car That's business. So far away from the medical industry. <laughs> I know, I, I know, I know. But I chose I chose the path because I it was like coming down to do I leave my family yeah. and go and go do what I really want to do. But really I cho I chose my family. There's there's one of my buddies. He's in the car business. His wife's a GM and He's a, he's a trainer in the, in the car hey, business Joe. out in California. So, yeah. um, so wow. So, um, <laughs> so how, what, okay. 
where did the psychology de- I mean, like you got this psychology degree, maybe trying to figure out how yeah. car sales people's brains work. I don't know, but how how did that benefit you in any way? I'm using it right now, Ken. <laughs> No, you know what? Wow. It's, you know, my parents wanted, they're like, just get get your degree, do what you want. And what's so interesting is I was the first one in my family to go to college. Yeah. And, you know, my mother was a nurse. She was an RN. She didn't have a BSN, but she was a nurse. And my dad um, did not go to college. He was a self-made guy. He started with $35 and one car. And his dad made him pay rent to fix up a car in his garage. Yeah. And he would just sell it and then reinvest and get more cars. So my dad really started out self-made and you don't, you don't wow. see that. You don't see that really anymore. Yeah. It's, you know, there isn't a guy that says, Oh, I started with $35 in one car. And now I had like three different, four different car franchises that doesn't happen today. You know? Yeah. So I learned a lot from my dad and I, um, wanted to go. I was, I was a music major also. Like I was all over the board. My, my son just told me he wants to change majors. I'm like, dude, it's cool because I changed majors three times and I turned out okay. Right. So I, I was, I was a biology major. Then I switched to psychology and music because I wanted to be a music uh, therapist. And my dad took me aside. He says, look, I'm not paying. And back in the day, like a private school was 15 grand. He goes, I'm not paying 15 grand for yeah. you to end up making 12 when you get out, you know? Right. So the business model came into play. So then I, I ended like up, I had, yeah, he's, he's, he's really a firecracker. Yeah. So I ended up getting just my psychology degree. I didn't do music and psychology, but I started getting my master's in counseling, decided I did not want to hear other people's problems. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have my own. So I was, I was in my master's program and I'm doing my practicum and I'm listening to someone who's, you know, really just down in the dumps complaining. And I'm like, I can't do this because I am a glass half full person. And I came to realize there's a lot of glass half empty people, which we Mm. all know they exist. And I just realized I could not do it. So went home to kind of figure things out, reassess. And I went back to school to take all my prereqs for medical school. I had one left to take, which was physics two, which physics I ended up getting the second time around, which was interesting. And um, it was like a lightning bolt came down. They're like, oh, here's the answers. So (laughs) I um, was taking that. And then my mom got really ill. And I said, okay, I have to just dig deep and, and do what I need to do to be here for my family. And it just kind of was my trajectory. So, okay. Well, I started with a $20 loan fresh out of a divorce and, and dropped out of high school. So, (laughs) and I, but I don't own car dealerships, but I I think that I I want to, I want to, I'm curious about your dad now, because it sounds like your dad molded you, um, and not having a college education. I'm sure that he, um, I would imagine he, he still read books and, and did things to improve himself. And, um, what do you think the, for him, what was the thing that the, if you could name one thing, what was the one thing that drove him to success? Fortitude. And I'll tell you when you know, I'm, I can't wait. I'm going to see my father for Christmas. I can't wait to see him because he lives in Florida. I don't see him very often. Oh. So, um, and with COVID, 
you know, yeah, it's been right. a, it's been a crazy situation, but yeah. my dad used to tell the story when he was in high school, he wasn't a great student. Yeah. And yeah. you know, he's like, I really didn't care about it. And there's a lot of kids who are like that. And I don't want kids who are in school who aren't doing well to think like they're done. Like just cause the college isn't going to happen for them that they're done. Cause there's other things that they can obviously be doing trades yep. and such. But my dad, he ended up um, talking to the guidance counselor and she told him he wasn't college material and he would probably be best suited to dig ditches like that kind of a job. Right. Nice. Can you imagine anyone, yes. any school administrator <laughs> telling a child that, right? Yeah. Mine may have said something similar. Like they're not some that back then they weren't Harsh. as, they just weren't as nice. <laughs> yeah. It was horrible. So anyway, it's horrible. He got out of high school and then he started fixing cars. And my dad can do anything to a car. Like That's he fixed awesome. everything and then would paint it. He even showed me when he, he came up for my daughter. My son just graduated from high school a couple of years ago. He came up and he showed me this album of all these cars that he had fixed up and painted. And they were all like crazy colors, Ken. I was said to him, like, where did you get that color from? Ah, if I ran out, I mixed a couple colors together. Wow. Right. He had, awesome. he had pink. There was one car that was pink, you know, so just really interesting story. So I find my dad really fascinating, you know, cause we don't meet people like him very right. often. And I'm yeah. lucky because he's my dad and That's he awesome. really has taught me a lot about business. I owe everything that I know in my business to my father. That's, that's yeah. so awesome. That's awesome. So, so you, um, so you, you got all these um, degrees, <laughs> so at least you were on your way to getting some of them, um, and you decide to get into the car business, um, and your mother, your mother ends up getting sick, and you said she was really sick for a couple, two or three years? She, I don't think she ever was not sick. Wow. She battled it for seven years, and... Oh. Um, you know, she had like, we thought she was cancer free shortly before she died. And, you know, my dad and I were talking, it's like, you know, one of these days is going to get her because she just had so many reoccurrences and so many problems. And it was something that we came to terms with. And I think she came to terms with it. And, you know, like the story that I write about in Crappy to Happy is about my mother and how the only thing that she could control was spending money, you know, so like much to the chagrin of my visa, I have the same, you know, penchant for shopping and like sales. My mother, if it was on sale, she was like, it belongs in my closet. So she would just get it. <laughs> so the story I wrote about in that book is about how she was able to just do that and have fun. Yeah. Crappy to happy. Great book. Lots of stories in there. Yes. It's been a fantastic read. I've been, and for my podcast, I've been able to interview many of those authors. It's been amazing. So, I'm, you know, I'm in it, right? I know you're in it. That's oh. why I'm. That's why I'm talking to you, Ken. Uh, yeah. Oh, man, I so, love that. so, um, yeah, she was really funny. My mom had such an amazing sense of humor. Like she just had this way of lighting up a room. And I would be at my parents' dealership, you know, because it was a real gift to be yeah. able to work with my mother. You know, I was side by side with my mother all the time. It was hilarious. So we would do skits about my dad because my dad was like really tough sometimes. Yeah. 
And we, my mom and I, his name is Dave. So my mom and I would say there's certain things that Big D doesn't need to know about. So we would, so if there was some kind of a cluster going on, right, in the dealership, my mother and I would be in cahoots, be like, all right, don't let my, don't let dad know. Like, we'll figure, we'll fix it, you know? Oh my God. So we used to like make fun of how serious he was. My mother, my mother and I would sit in the office with the title clerk and the controller and we would just rip my dad and we would do all these skits. And then he would open his door, we'd be like, we would be quiet, but it was so funny. So my mom brought <laughs> such an energy to our family business. Like she would walk in the service department every morning and not to hurt anyone's ears, but she would say, good morning, everyone. Like she would sing to all the guys in the service department. And my mother's mm -hmm. name was Jackie. Like, good morning, Jackie. So when she died, like I felt compelled to like continue it. So I yeah. went out and I would sing and they would be like, okay, Connie, it's all good. Like you don't need to, Please but, <laughs> but, um, she had this laugh that was so infectious and she would be laughing in the office and I would walk through the service department and see customers sitting there and they would just laugh because they just could hear her laugh. It was great. Wow. So it was, you know, the car business is a lot of fun. You know, it yeah. can really, it's been stressful lately, but it can be very fun. And my parents just had such a great way of doing business because they always said to themselves, like, we have to do right by people. My dad always told me, you have to do right by people and know that you can look yourself in the mirror at night before you go to bed when you're brushing your teeth and know you did right by people that day and wake up the next morning saying you're going to do the same thing. And, and wow. a lot of car, in, in the car business, some of, you know, it's a bad rap for a lot and it's unfortunate yeah. because there's a lot of good business people out there who care about their customers. And we had a very big family um, presence. It was, everyone was family. Yeah. You know? Right, right. So I learned a lot. It was a great experience. Wow. That's incredible. And so now do you, you see, do you still have the, the car or the, the dealership? No, my, okay. my dad and I had chatted a long time ago about me buying him out. And I just decided I, I didn't want to. And ironically, hello, here I am still in the car business. Yeah. It's like, it's in your blood. You can't yeah. get it out. So yeah, I did not. He's, he's, he sold it. My brother actually was doing um, service and body shop. So my dad's dream was that I would run the front and my brother would run the back. Uh, and, um, we just, just, my brother decided he didn't want to do it and I decided I didn't want to do it. So, so, so when you're, right. when, when, I mean, it sounds like your mother was, I mean, you, you said, you know, moms are the glue. It sounds like your mom was, was definitely she was the, the, the glue. I, so that had to have been pretty tough. I, I I can imagine it, it was. And, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are when you lose your mother. Yeah. It's devastating no matter how old you are. Yeah. yeah. You know, so when 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 all of that happened after she passed away and and our move moved to the other side, um, I, I, I have a friend that calls it getting your God promotion. Um, but, you know, when 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 that happened, you just kept going in the business. Yeah, I kept going in the business. Mm. And then I just decided it wasn't what I wanted to do. And I went into banking. Well, actually, I went to another dealership because I wanted to get other experience. But then I went into banking and became an indirect lender for a few years. Did that uh, business development with banking. And then I um, decided that that wasn't 
what I wanted to do. So I went and I've run two different biweekly companies, like for the financial end of it, um, working with car dealers and training them on how to present biweekly programs. Um, so I did that for two different companies and then I ended up finding what I'm doing now. And I love what I'm doing now because I get to, I get to feel, I feel like I utilize all my skill set. You know, because yeah. when you're you're pigeonholed into specific things, such as you know just banking or doing the biweekly thing that I did, now yeah. I'm working with dealers on all facets of business. And you know, frequently I tell salespeople who are new and kind of stressed out, I say, listen, you know, my father said this to me: people buy cars every three, four, maybe five years. You're doing this every day, so you know what you're doing. Just yeah. you know, keep going on to the next one. So, you know, so I learned a lot that I'm able to impart some wisdom to, to the people that I'm working with. And it really is fueled by my dad. Wow. That's awesome. Linda Ann Barber says she knows you. Hey, Linda Ann. How are you? Do you know Linda? I do know Linda. She lives near me. I love she's in Colorado. She moved to Colorado. I thought because I I've seen her personally here. She used to, I, yeah, she yeah. used to live up there. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I had I'm, no yeah. idea that she had moved. See, I'm completely yeah. out of the loop. Yeah, Linda, out of the loop. Linda's, Linda's my buddy. Um, so that's awesome. That's really cool. So so you um, so you shifted. You ended up in F and I training. So are you mm-hmm. deal, uh, do you work with dealers all over the nation or just in New York right now? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and, and so your mother passed away, you said you were 26. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a couple years ago and <laughs> yeah, quite a bit of years ago actually, yeah. but yeah. But you said that you, um, became the fourth person in your lineage to, to yes. contract breast cancer. Um, Talk about that. What 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 was that? What happened? Well, I was newly divorced with um, two small kids. They were six and seven when we got divorced. So the following year, mm-hmm. I went in for a mammogram, and you know, I am a person who delays things that are self care, which I have learned not to do anymore. But I hadn't had a mammogram when I when I first went and had my last um, appointment. I waited and had a mammogram like four months later. So when I went for my annual, I felt, I felt like a, a, a a pain on my side, like by my armpit. And I thought, Oh God, like, what is that? And I just so happened to have my annual appointment on Wednesday. This was on a Sunday. Cause normally like, I'm not a whiner about anything. I probably would have just dealt with it. I would have just dealt with it. And until it got like unbearable. Because they, mm-hmm. that's, it's a misnomer when they say that cancer does not hurt because mm. you, you can't have pain with cancer. Right. I'm a walking testimony to that. So um, I ended up going to the, my gynecologist for my annual and she said, oh, it's probably nothing, but let's just do a mammogram. So mind you, I had had my mammogram eight months before, not a year because I monkey around, don't do stuff on time right. <laughs> for myself. Right. So mine was clear eight months prior. So I get my mammogram. I end up, you know, having to have more testing done. So I I was actually diagnosed off of an ultrasound. 
So this girl's doing my ultrasound and she gets really quiet. And I'm thinking, what the heck is happening right now? Mm. She goes and gets the radiologist. The radiologist comes in and says, I'm 99% sure you have breast cancer. And my reaction was, shut up. Are wow. you serious? So I was third. I had just turned 39. Wow. So I'm at, I'm coming up on 12 years survivorship next month. Wow. So it was just shocking because I, you know, I wasn't think I was always thinking that it might be there at some point. You know, you can't help when you look behind you and you see your mother died at 53, your grandmother at 54, and your great grandmother at 60, all of breast cancer. You think, you know. At some point, I'm probably looking down the barrel of a gun here, right? So I I hadn't thought about it. And every time I would go have the mammogram, then it's like in your face. You're thinking. Yeah, right, right. So I was shocked because my mother was diagnosed at 47 and died yeah. at 53 or mm. 46, 46 and died at 53. So I was not thinking like it would hit me in my 30s. So I had just turned 39 and I had stage 2A breast cancer and in two places. One was um, very aggressive. The other one was just like in C2 or whatever they call it in the, in the dogs. Yeah. And um, I had bilateral mastectomies. I've had 13 breast cancer related surgeries and six months of chemotherapy. Wow. So I honestly think, Ken, if I can deal with that, I can get through anything. You yeah. know? Yeah. Wow. Wow. What? 13 surgeries for it? Yeah. So Jeez. not to be funny, but I was like the one boobed wonder for a while because I had a staph infection. And my boyfriend at the time said, what the heck did they like rub your boob against a gym floor? Like, how do you get a staph infection? So I had to have emergency surgery to take that out. And I have some seriously funny stories about my cancer journey that I wrote in my book, How Connie Got a Rack Back, because I had to see the humor Show in that all book. of it, right? Show that book to everybody. How Connie Got Her Rack Back. Yeah. <laughs> just the title of the book is funny. Yeah. You know what? I wonder if I do a reprint, if I should just get rid of the uh, breast cancer memoir, because it really is a funny story. I mean, I hate, I mean, cancer is funny. Let me see it. Yeah. See it at, the at the top, it says oh. a breast cancer memoir. So what happened was I get diagnosed. My fr I have great friends. Like if I did not have friends, I would be in a dark hole, you know, with Puxatawney Phil or whatever, you know, like I just yeah. would not have done well. So I decided to um, have a Caring Bridge website, so that I, which is a is an amazing platform for anyone who's facing an illness, so that you can reach out to people. People can look at your posts and and connect with you because yeah. you know otherwise you're you know inundated with phone calls and emails and whatnot. So I wrote basically the funny crap that happened to me because it's just you know life's too funny sometimes not to take stock of that right. and and not be so serious all the time so it so i wrote my book after i was well i stopped writing in the blog and one of my friends a lot of my friends were saying to me you know we really miss your writing because every time i wrote something they would get an email that i wrote something yeah so they're like oh i miss like you know my monday morning you know laughter so one of my friends said to me, you know, I think if you put all of this in a book, it would really help people. So mm -hmm. I got thinking about it and it really wasn't, that wasn't the mission. The mission in writing the book was to take my breast cancer, 
put it in a box, wrap it with a pretty bow and bury it in a big hole in the backyard and just be done with it and move on to the next thing in my life. Right. You know, that was really the impetus for writing it. So I took all my blog posts, wrote around them, like really how I felt, like the sadness of watching, watching the last of my hair go down the drain, you know, oh. but mm. ironically, Mother Nature gave me a big red nail middle finger because I still had hair on my legs and had to shave. Right. So like, wow, you know, so I wrote about all these funny things that happened to me, you know, like my oncologist after my first chemo said to me, he's like, you know, how was it? I'm like, how was it? I'm like, wow. if, if I had had an astronaut pill to end it, I would have taken it right then and there. No question is asked. And he said, astronauts have a pill. I'm like, what do you live under a rock? Have you not seen like Apollo 13 or something? So just always writing about the funny stuff that happened. Like that's what I did. I mean, after I was well, I mean, I have, there's a lot of funny stuff in that book, but after I was well, my brother came up from North Carolina. He lives in Charlotte, came up and, and it reminded me of the movie, A Christmas Story, where the, where the dogs eat all of the turkey and the dad goes, everyone, get dressed. Right. So my brother comes up, he goes, get dressed. We're going out. So I had, I was wearing a sundress and I had expanders because there's a whole process of getting your, your breasts rebuilt, right. The bionic yeah. rack. Right. Yeah. So, um, I had my expanders in, so I had a chest. I was wearing a sundress. I am bald as anything. Kojak, right. I'm looking like Kojak. Sinead O'Connor. Sinead O'Connor. Yeah. I have my wig on. And I live near Saratoga Springs, New York. I'm sure people have heard of that. Yeah. And my brother said, let's go out. We'll grab a bite to eat, walk around. So we are walking on this very uneven sidewalk. You know, we're like, it's like a little bit dippy. And then there's tree roots growing through. You know, you know what I'm talking yeah. about, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm walking along and it's very crowded because in Saratoga, we have the flat track. So everyone was out. It's August. That's the August place to be, Saratoga. So walking down the street and I notice a tree is very close to the sidewalk. So I duck down cause it was very close and my wig catches on a branch and goes off my head, dangles in the tree, like slow motion comes down to the ground. And, and my brother and his then wife and friends were all like this. They're like, like no one could look at me. I am laughing. Have you ever laughed so hard that your like your scalp is red? Yeah. Right. Well, I could not stop laughing. I'm like, who would make the, who could have this happen to them? Uh -huh. And and it was before phones had video, right? So I said to my brother, I go, I go, we should go get a camcorder and try to like redo it so we can win a hundred thousand dollars on you know. <laughs> Tom Bergeron, right? American, yeah. but you couldn't, I, I said we could never recreate it, but it was so funny. So I wrote about all of those really funny things that happened to me. So I wrote my book. Then I decided, you know what? I've had so much, so many friends and family have just stuck by me this whole time. So I wanted to have a book launch party. Yeah. So as we've talked about, I'm in business. So I just hit up everybody I knew and I said, Hey, let's do some, you know, silent auction items. And we will put together an event. I called it the Get Your Rack Back event because my book is Get Your Rack Back. And we raised $4,600 in change for the American Cancer Society's Making Strides, Strides Against Breast Cancer campaign because I wanted to give it to someone, you know, someplace for breast cancer. Wow. So I did that. 
Then the next year, people were like, oh my gosh, that was so much fun. Like, when are you going to do it again? Because I'm kind of a party planner. So I said, all right, let's do it again. So the following year, we raised $10,400. Wow. And we funded four weeks of breast cancer research with four with a sci full scientist for four weeks. So yeah. that was great. And then I did it again the following year, gave it to another foundation. And then finally, I said, you know what? I want to start my own foundation so I know the people we're helping. Not know them so much personally, but know that if someone gives me money somewhere, it's going to a patient near them, yeah. right? Because sometimes you give money to a foundation, you don't know where it goes, right? you know? So in 2014, I had that thought. I'm like, I got to start my own. So I brought it past my kids who at the time were 13 and 14. And I said, what do you guys think? Like, what should we name it? I thought maybe doing an ode to my mom would have been the best thing, but it was long what I had come up with. And my daughter goes, mom, everyone knows you as the get, get your rack back chick. Just do that. So um, I said, okay. So I put it in with my attorney, with the AG's office. And when it finally came that I became a nonprofit, my attorney said to me, he's like, I didn't think that was going to fly the name. I go, well, why couldn't you maybe give me a heads up before you <laughs> sent that in? So initially we wanted to do restaurant gift cards because a friend of mine from high school was providing meals to my, to me and the kids when I was going through it. So every Tuesday night after chemo, I would get, you know, a meal for the kids and it was great. I was just so appreciated. It was such a small gesture on his part. He's like, honey, what's the big deal? It's like 25 bucks, but it meant a lot to me and it meant a lot to my kids. So um, I thought maybe I can do that. I've got to be able to do something on a bigger scale to help people. And I think a lot of cancer patients are in this mode in their brain that, you know, when I'm well, I've got to just do something to right. make, you know, and, and that was really where it came from. And I was sitting and having chemo and I have a, I had a port, you know, so the needle yeah. stuck in the port. Yeah. And I had a little pink cap on bald as can be. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, you know, there's gotta be something I can do. So when mm. I went to local restaurants, they weren't keen on, you know, doing this like voucher system where I would just pay them every month. They weren't cool about that. They're like, you got to buy gift cards. Well, I don't know if people are using gift cards, right? You don't, you never know. Right. So right. Um, I ended up broadening it to handle things like electric bills, you know, stuff that helps people financially. And then I wanted to do gas and grocery gift cards. Wow. And I had a scare um, with my implant. And what happened was I had pneumonia and I had coughed so hard that I had inverted an edge of my implant. And I thought, holy crap, it's back, you know? So I go to my, my breast surgeon and he's like, you're good. Like there's, it's just, it's just inverted there. And wow. it still, it still is, which is kind of weird. But, um, he said to me, you know, I have a patient who was 30 and she had breast cancer and she had to decide between working and um, paying, you know, working or getting treatment, working to provide for her family or getting treatment. She chose to work and she died. Oh. Completely preventable, completely wow. preventable. So find out, you know, he tells me this whole story and the husband ends up so distraught. They have two little kids, like under 10. So distraught, he takes his life. So these kids have no parents and they're living with the grandparents because she oh had to God. choose. She had to choose between paying for treatment and putting food on the table for her family. And I wow. said, I left that appointment. I'm like, I can't have this. So I got in my car. I called my attorney. I'm like, listen, I know you're in the midst of writing this all up and you've already submitted it. Can you take it back? And can we add co-payment assistance to this plan? 
He said, it, I can do it. It's going to, it's going to delay your 501c3 for a few months. I said, listen, I'd rather do it right the first time. Right. Then have to like redo it. So, you know, as a person who puts in for a 501c3, you have no idea when the AG's office and is going to say, okay, this is the date that you are a nonprofit. Yeah. Are you ready for this? The date it chose to be a nonprofit was my mother's birthday. Shut up. Wow. Right. Wow. I know. I, I thought, okay, wow. I just got chills. Yeah. So I wow. said to myself, this is, you know, a sign of really amazing things to come. So we give $500 in gas and grocery gift cards or medical co-payment assistance, or, you know, last couple of years ago, I paid a woman's oil bill for her, like her oil, like one of the nurse navigators told me the oil bill needed to be paid. So I called the oil company. I told them who I was. And I said, you know, what can we do? Can you tell me how much this would be? He's like, I can't tell you how much her bill is. And I said, well, if I give you $500, because that's what each patient gets, is that going to be enough to cover? He goes, no. I said, well, listen, can you just cover the rest for her? And he did. So people, wow. he, he did. It was only, it was like a hundred and something dollars more. He told me it was a little over a hundred dollars and he covered it because I said, listen, she's in a bad spot. She's got little kids. She's going through treatment. So there's a huge misnomer about my foundation. We help all cancer patients, men, women, and children with various types of cancers. And, and it's been hard because people, I pigeonholed it with get your rack back, meaning, you know, obviously the rack. Yeah. But people know now because we kind of rebranded to GYRB. That's why it's GYRB.org. So people can go to GYRB.org and see our video and see patients talking about what we've done for them and, and you know, what it means to people that we've been involved. And so to date, we've helped almost 300 cancer patients with $500 in services since 2015. We had started with two cancer patients a month was what I thought. You know, if we could do two cancer patients and start with two offices, that would be awesome. Yeah. Now we are helping. And, and this has been a tough year for us. We haven't done all of our fundraising. It's been really challenging because yeah. normally we give, we, normally we try to help 100 cancer patients a year. So that's $50,000 out the door. You know, we're all volunteers. Um, and it's just important that we do this. It's important to me that we do this, um, to give back to others and help people who are in a financial dependent position and how it works is I ask nurse navigators and social workers that we work with. And now we have nine, actually 20. We just had another office, 20 hospitals and oncology offices. We now work with, and we started with two. Wow. And it was, you know, let it's been less than five years. So, you know, the plan is that we get to a consistent hundred cancer patients a year. And, you know, it all stems from fundraising. That's where it all comes to play. So we have a gala that usually nets us 25,000, which helps 50. And then we have a golf tournament. We have a, an event called Rackapalooza that we just started last year, which is a <laughs> band event. Yeah. Like when Good I have it. Yeah. Rackapalooza. And then um, we've done comedy <laughs> nights. We just had an online trivia night, which was so much fun. We're going to revisit that in the wintertime when everyone's holed up. Um, wow. So we're trying to do things that you know, different demographics of people, their interests, you know, demographic interest, you know, would you want to go to a gala and dress up? Would you want to golf? Would you want to come to Rackapalooza and, you know, have a band event? And then we also have our biggest event that has been 
really gaining a lot of momentum is our Diamonds in December event. So Diamonds in December, we do this really fun thing where we wrap a bunch of boxes that have different pieces of jewelry in it and one piece or two pieces have a beautiful diamond piece in it. Wow. And then like at, you know, at, you know, 10 of nine, everyone goes up to get their boxes and I'm like, don't shake your box, you know, like, and we, cause we don't know what's in it. So they all open it at nine o'clock and then someone wins it. And that's been a really great fundraiser. It's so much fun cause it's around the holidays, but this year we're doing it online. Yeah. So it's going to be, I've got a, a really great guy producing it. And um, one of my board number, members is Greg Adela, and he's got a great show on Amazon called Home, uh, uh, Welcome Home. Couldn't even think for a second. Yeah. Welcome Home. So we've been doing, you know, skits and stuff like that because, like, we're kind of clownish. But we're doing some stuff for that. I'm excited about that. But that whole event leads us to our Christmas stocking drive. So to date, we have stuffed and delivered over 1,500 holiday stockings to kids affected by cancer. So we deliver them to all the 20 doctor's offices for their wow. children. And then we deliver to the Melody Center at Albany Medical Center for the Children's Hospital for all the kids there and their siblings. So it's a huge undertaking. And it's a labor of love for a lot of us. I mean, it's just been you know, to see these kids' faces. And, and one of the most remarkable things happened a couple of years ago with our event. Um, every time I do the Diamonds in December event, I have kids come to sort the stockings because the deal is people come, you bring $10, $20 worth of stockings from the dollar store, stocking yeah. stuffers. Yeah. And then I have kids who sort them. So the next day we're ready to rock and stuff. You know, we've got it down to a well-oiled well machine. Wow. 50 volunteers, we can bang out, you know, 500 stockings and, you know, three hours. So this one girl asked her dad to drop her off because she said, I need to do this because they gave me stockings last year. So it's been really wonderful to see it come full circle where kids who have been affected by cancer, a parent having it or themselves or a sibling want to come back and help more kids. Well, and my, that's, my that's been great. My buddy, um, Justin, I don't think you saw it, but he, he's a, he owns a big CBD company in uh, yeah. California and he would like uh, to donate some health oh, and awesome. products to your cause. Thank so you. and he is such a good dude. You guys need to connect for sure. Definitely. Um, so, so, uh, Wow. Um, my, my wife's brother was diagnosed at six years old with leukemia. And he's 48 now, but he has had, he's had so much radiation that he, he can't, he has, he's visually, you know, he said it's been, you know, a lifetime of cancer bouts. And so we, we do a lot of supporting of, of cancer causes a lot. Um, my wife was his bone marrow. Um, donor. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. She was 11. <laughs> she was wow. 11. And did, it's crazy, but. Um, so you're, you're striking very close to home for, for me and, and my, my family. So, um, wow. I, what you're doing is absolutely incredible. Thanks. So it really, it's, it's amazing. I, I love it because, you know, a lot of people, um, have the thought, man, I, I really gotta, you know, I've been through this and now it's time for me to give back, but then they don't take the action and, you know, not right. everybody. And I'm not, I'm not throwing stones at anyone. I, I understand that, that life goes on, you know, you, you get through that and you're like, mm -hmm. thank God I'm still alive. I'm here. I'm, you know, 
Um, but I love the fact that you've taken massive action and 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 done something. Thank you. Well, you know, my dream, honestly, we all need boots on the ground. Yeah, right. You know, I, that's the thing. And my dream would be to expand it beyond, like right now we help. We started in the capital region of New York. Yeah. Now we do all of the 518 area of New York State. So it spans quite a large area. I really want to expand beyond New York. And, you know, I think we need it everywhere. Yes. You know, we all need some kind of boots on the ground. And, you know, one of the other things I, that I took upon myself that I really wanted to do because I can't grow anything. Like I laugh about it. I can only keep like two kids and two dogs alive. Like that's, <laughs> I can't even keep a cactus alive. Right. So one of my friends had, I, I got involved with Melissa Etheridge and uh, another foundation yeah. that does um, pink ribbon gardens. And I saw how much that helped because we were able to help breast cancer patients with the Pink Ribbon Garden Project. So now I decided to have my own garden at that same location. It's in Albany, New York. And this past summer, we delivered over almost 50, 50 pounds of vegetables to cancer patients. So, you know, because there's definitely a link between eating healthy and yep. in cancer yep. and in health, good general, general good health. So um, I delivered that. That's been huge. Like, I love that. You know, yeah. and, and and we're going to be doing some things where we're going to put, um, you know, recipes in like, you know, what do you do with a rutabaga? I don't know. <laughs> right. So like all those kinds of things. So it's it's important that we do everything that we can. And, and this is what I, I just I have been doing a lot of interviews for my podcast, Laughter and Inspiration. Yeah. And we've been talking about with other foundations, you know, if you have the proclivity to do something. If you don't want to start it on your own, catch someone else's coattails and get on. You yeah. know, not not everybody is about cancer. Not everyone's about mental health. There's all different types of, of things that you can do yeah. that can, you know, it's not even about money. You know, someone said to me, I don't have a lot of money to give. It's okay. Like, why don't you give your time? Why don't you right. help me deliver some baskets to some patients? Because all the patients that we help, except the men, sorry, guys, guys just get an envelope with their cards. But women get like a basket that I do up with some nice stuff in there, like, you know, fuzzy socks and lotion and stuff. But deliver, help me deliver that. Help me stuff stockings. You know, yeah. there's a lot of things that people can do so you have to find something you're passionate about. And I think in this day and age of what we are going through in this country with pandemic, the election, all of that stuff, I think everybody needs to find a purpose that's outside of their parameter of their life to do something that fulfills them. Because if you want to be fulfilled, do something for others. That's oh. what fills my cup. Every time, like, I, you know, I deliver a basket, I get a thank you note, you know, a few years ago, my son was a senior in high school and I got a phone call because my phone is my work phone, my home phone, my foundation phone. Yeah. I get a call. My daughter's in college. The guy's crying. And I'm, immediately as a mother, I'm like, oh, my God, what happened to my daughter? Like, I just was, I don't know why I was thinking that. And he, he asked me, he said, are you Connie Bramer? I said, yes. And he said, I just wanted to let you know this is so-and-so. And I left, just left my um, doctor's office, my oncology office, and I've got the $500 in grocery gift cards you gave me. And, you know, I'm 60 something. I live alone and I didn't think anybody cared about me. And I got off the phone with him and I was sitting on my couch crying and my son and I cry a lot, Ken, like I can't yeah. help it. There's, there's a lot of pain in these people, you know? So I'm sitting on my couch crying. My son comes home. He's like, mom, what's the matter? And I told him and he goes, you know, it's good, mom. 
Like, it's good that we're able to do things for people who really need it. So one of the things that prevents me a lot from getting um, grants is I don't require patients to fill out anything financial. So like as a patient, if my nurse navigator came to me and said, listen, Connie, I can get you $500 in grocery gift cards, but I need your last two pay stubs and your tax return from last yeah. year. I'd say, I'd say, you know what? I'm good. I'll figure yeah. it out. Right. Right. I don't want to ask that of people because you're you're already dealing with so much stuff. Like, why would you want to have to add that of stress, right? right? Yeah. So my my ask of my nurse navigators and social workers at all of our offices is they determine who is most in need because all these doctors' offices, you know, the bigger ones have their own foundations. So if you have a patient that is on the edge that you know you've already given they can't get any more from you or they didn't they didn't you know they weren't able to get it from you yeah we want to help those people so if yeah. someone's got has got a job is doing really well you know i don't want to be helping that person i know that sounds harsh but i need to help people like who are really having to choose between putting groceries on the table for their family and paying for treatment yeah you know I, so i agree so that's what that. that's what we're doing I think I, I like anybody watching that follows me, they know I'm always preaching about if you want to, if you want to have a better life, get the heck out of, out of yourself and go help mm -hmm. somebody else. And, and absolutely your, your life magically will improve. I think the problem is like, I, I was just in Nashville and I was checking into this hotel and a, a homeless guy came up with a story and needed $7. Literally, that was his story. So he could take a shower at a truck stop. And I'm not saying this to brag. I'm just saying like, and I had said, I mean, I, I only had 40. It was either a $100 bill or 40. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. I gave him $40. And I said, dude, do more than a shower, you know, good right. luck. like, you know, and, and I think that for me, I always see and people judge that like, oh, well, what if he was going to you know, drink. Not, right. It, right. It's not about, it's not that, you know, you gotta, you gotta have faith in something bigger than mm -hmm. yourself that, that, you know, I always think, wonder if that's maybe Jesus showing up to test me, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. And I'm not, I'm not a religious guy. I'm a very spiritual, but, but anyway, so I think what you're doing is so amazing. I want to help Thanks. as much as I can. Um, it looks like we have um, other people on here that would love to help. There's my buddy, Doug Wing. His father is the founder of the the Little Giant Ladder Company. Oh, wow. Like, awesome. Yeah, he's, they're the third largest ladder company in the world. And that's, that's yeah. So the, um, the, big, the biggest thing that we need at this very juncture coming into the holidays is stocking stuffers. Yeah. Okay. That's the stuff, you know, coloring books and crayons. And we try to put 10 things in every item, in every stocking. That's and, so nice. and because of funding last year, because I didn't hold my gala last year, um, because of funding last year, we didn't help another foundation that we help that has kids that are at risk. So normally yeah. we do a lot more stockings. So depending on how much we're able to raise going into the holiday season, it's going to determine if we can help the other foundation as well. So we're, you know, we're, I think it's always a great idea to just give back to people and I'm not yeah. preaching, I'm not preaching about it. It's right. just, it's so important to me. Doug, Doug, you know, says, Doug, Doug, how can I help? That's so nice. Thank you. Yeah. I, I love, I, I, 
it chokes me up a little bit because I, I I absolutely man, there's a lot of people hurting. There's a lot of people that yeah. need help. And and you know, it doesn't matter if it's a homeless guy on the streets or it's it's somebody, I mean, you know, think I I, I don't know what you went through when your mother died of breast cancer. You were 26. Here's your father, has been this strong man in your mm -hmm. life. I'm sure that broke him down and, it and most definitely did. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, and it's like, you guys went, you, you know, and now you're like, I mean, the subtitle of my book is turning pain into profit. It's mm -hmm. walls of wisdom turning pain into profit. So people take that pain and they don't do anything with it. Right. <laughs> whoops. Just, yeah. Whoops. Um, I can say it, but whatever. Yeah. I try to keep it, keep it. But you know, like, like they, they sulk in it, they stay in it. And you said, I'm taking not only a double mis You said you had a double mis I did. Uh, I yep. Mastectomy. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I should have graduated high school. See, um, but, but <laughs> you know, people take that and, and you've taken that pain of losing your mother, you having gone through it and you're like, let's, let's do something to help the world. Yeah. And, and I love that. I absolutely yeah. love it. I think that, um, we're gonna, we're gonna connect you with some people that, and I'm an Amazon influencer also, by the way. So, um, I can, I I'm, I'm authorized to, um, so Doug wants me to, to, I'll connect you guys. That's so, so great. Thank um, you, Doug. So, um, but I can, I, I'm one of the handful of people that are allowed to live stream directly on Amazon. So mm -hmm. I'm going to get you on Amazon. We're going to, we're going to talk about your book on there as well. So great. I appreciate Connie, that. Ken. You're, you're amazing. Like I love your energy. I love what you're doing. And I, listen, everybody go over to G Y R B, which stands for get your rack back. Right. <laughs> I love that. I don't know. I just love that. Um, I thought men were the only ones that referred to it as a rack. <laughs> well, I got to tell you the quick story behind it. If I have. Do yeah, I have please okay. do. So at the time I was going through it, like I was working for that biweekly company I was talking about out of California yeah. and yep, I yep. traveled a lot plane wise. Right. Mm. So I'd be in the, in the airport and I would see the bookstore stuff and I'd see all these books facing out. And I thought there's no way how kind of get our boobs back is going to like be facing out into the hallway when people are walking to their planes. Right. 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 So I sat on a plane and I thought to myself, you know, cause I'm one of those people, what you think about, you bring about I'm that person. Yep. So I thought to myself, what can I name it? So I put rack, you know, cause you know, I like to be funny. Yeah. And I have a sense of humor. I so I put rack, but really when the, I, when I, when people ask me about this book, it's not about breast cancer. Yes, it is about breast cancer, but it's about getting your act back or yourself back. Yeah. You know, so a lot of patients have taken my book and said, you know, it's my Bible to get through, you know, my cancer journey. Like I sit and read it at chemo and laugh, or, you know, it was it helped me for my wife to understand, for me to understand my wife or my sister. You know, it's been a real gift to me how yeah. well this book has been received by people. Wow. That's so cool. So cool. Let me ask you this. And I ask everybody this question, a couple of questions. Um, you know, first one is, and this is all your opinion. I will tell you the number one answer to this, this question is fear. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is what do you think, 
what do you think holds people back in life from experiencing success? And yes, I'm talking financial because people have this bad thing about money. I think money is a good thing. <laughs> Personally, I've had it and I've been without it and it's yeah. better to have it. Um, but what holds people back from experiencing happiness or, or, or f- success and, and like happiness slash freedom in life? Well, I would say fear too, but I'm also going to say doing the work. That's not a word. It's just, it's more than one word, obviously, but like doing the work because things don't always come easy. You know, my parents always said, if you want something, you got to go after it. You are your own worst enemy, but also your own best advocate. So when it comes to doing things, you have to have, you know, the stick. My mother used to call it stick to itiveness sticking to something. My grandpa used to call it that. Yeah. Cause what happens is, and, and, you know, I don't want to, to jab at the younger generation at all. Okay. But we live in this instant gratification, you know, world right now. Yep. And especially our kids, like they don't know what it's like to wait for cartoons on Saturday morning and have to right? watch Marcus Welby for it to come on. Right. They, they're like, I just turn on the TV. It's got all my stuff. Or, or, Friday night, you're getting ready to watch the Dukes of Hazard and yeah. the president comes on. <laughs> right. Like, or what? right. My kid, they have no idea. But no. but they also, I think a lot of people, if they don't, if they take like let's say there's, you know, there's like however many steps to the sale of a car, right? So if you don't do all the steps, you don't do it. So yeah. it's the same thing with life. If you don't take the steps to do the things you need to do to improve yourself to get to that next level you're not going to get there. And I think like if there's 10 steps and people get to five, they're like, ah, heck with it. I'm really not feeling it. They're done. And they're just not, they're not doing the work. So I think, I think it's important that when you want something, you know, you got to see it to believe it, you know, in your brain, you know, I'm, I'm a big person about having like a goal board a dream board, vision board, you know, put stuff on paper. You want to do something, write it down. When you write it down, it becomes real. And then you got to figure out what are my steps to get there? Yeah. And and a lot of people give up. And that's why I would say doing the work. I love that. Absolutely love it. You know, I've been an entrepreneur most of my adult life. Um, I was always like they said, you didn't get a biology credit in 10th grade. They told me this in 12th grade, which I knew. I just, you know, I hated biology. And I told you, them you- I hated it. You like, didn't like dissecting the frog and stuff? No, I said, I've said that. Like, I said that to the guidance <laughs> counselor. I'm like, I'm never dissecting a frog again in my life. And I don't know <laughs> how this is applicable to real life. Like, and he's like, well, yeah. you have to have the credit to graduate. And I'm like, well, that's a stupid rule too. And I'm out of here. And I literally walked out in 12th grade. And, and so, cause they wanted me to come back for a whole year. So but anyway, so I, I said, you know, and, and I always felt this insecurity about that. Right. But since then, I've had probably at least a thousand college graduates work for me. So mm-hmm. you know, I, I think I made up for it. But, um, you know, there was this this time when my wife and I, who she went to a private college, she's a, she's got a degree, but we, we were opening our, our first office. And and so a couple of months into it. One of my employees walks in, goes, um, "Hey, boss, there's there's some dude looking in the windows of your SUV out in the parking lot." And I'm like, "Well, tell him to get the hell out of here." What do you? He's like, "Well, I would, but he has it blocked with his tow truck." <laughs> I was like, "Shit!" Yep. 
<laughs> I said, yeah, that was a, but it was a, because you can't talk them out of taking your car mm -hmm. like it doesn't work. So, so I was like, that was so humiliating. And, and, you know, that right now, especially there's a lot of people suffering and suicide is, is like yes. ridiculous. It's through the roof, the, the rate. Um, and, and so if somebody called you and said, you know, I, I, I can't pay my electric bill. I can't, my, my car was repoed. I've done everything I know how to do. Um, and I, I just, I'm at the end of my rope. What would you say to that person in that moment to help them get over that hump and, and realize it's all going to work out in the long run? Well, if it's a cancer patient, are you talking about a cancer patient or just no, anybody? Anybody? Any, anybody? Anybody? Well, that's a really good question. Now you got me thinking. Um, I, th <laughs> I think, you know, you got to look at one thing at a time. You know, I think when you look at, you have, you all, you all, oh, all these people at one time, like, how do you manage that? Well, I would say for, I call them all up, figure out the arrangements you can make and do one thing at a time to pay things. I think that's, I think a lot of people are overwhelmed right now with that yep. specific situation. Um, and then figure out ways to, to help them maybe find a, a grant or something, you know, a place that they can go to, to get a loan. I'm not loaning any more money out anymore. <laughs> I, got, I, got a little I got a little burned lately, so I'm not doing that. But um, it, it, a lot of people are in that position, Ken. And I think some of them yeah. just say, you know what, I'm just going to fold up shop and just forget about it. And it bugs me because I'm a person who always pays my bills. My yeah. parents taught me, pay your bill, okay, and then you eat. Right. And, you know, I think there's been a lot of misspending a lot of by a lot of people and I'm not judging people, but I think a lot of people buy a lot of stuff and then they don't pay their bills. Um, I just think it's important to do things very, you know, meticulously one thing at a time, not look at the whole elephant, eat the elephant one, one bite at a time. Amen. I agree with everything you just said. Connie Bramer, you are a rock star. Thank what you. an amazing, amazing story. Everybody go over to GYRB.org. That stands for Get Your Rack Back if you're just joining. Connie is a breast cancer survivor of 12 years now. And and congratulations on that, by the Thank way. Thank you. Thanks. I, and, and you have an amazing organization where you're helping. Man, you're helping so many people. And I love that. My 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 dear friend and client of mine, Laura Bramlett Wilkerson. She's a nurse practitioner, so she's hey Laura. Uh, she's awesome. She understands a lot of the the medical stuff going on right now. So, um, Connie, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today and sharing your story. And where's the best place for everybody to follow you on social media? Well, you can find me at gyrb.org. Um, go on Facebook and find laughter and inspiration. There's a group page there that is the catalyst for my podcast. We just, we post a lot of funny stuff in there. You know, a lot of funny memes, funny sayings, because I want it to be a five minute escape for people yeah. to just get on and laugh for five minutes and move on with their day. So it's called Laughter and Inspiration. That's the name of my podcast. And it will right. show in there. And um, I'm also Constance. That's my name when I'm in trouble. <laughs> um, Constance Bramer on Instagram.
And I'm okay. on Twitter, Connie Bramer too. Constance Bramer. Yeah. You're on Facebook as well. As Facebook as Connie Bramer. You can find me as Connie Bramer. And um also get your rack backs on Facebook and laughter and inspirations on Facebook. That's awesome. The best place to start would be gyrb.org, yes. it sounds like. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. You're awesome. Thank you Thank so much. You, Stay with me. I'd like to talk with you for a second. Um, but I'm going to end the broadcast. So thank you for, for being on here and sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me, Ken. You're amazing. Thank you. And thank you to anyone who shared this out. And if you didn't share it out yet, you can still redeem yourself and, and, and do it. Talk to you guys later. Thanks so much. Thank Thanks, you. Bye. Bye. Thanks.